Alright, yeah, welcome. Come on up, you guys. I know the line's long in there, so there may be some other people joining us. We are in 2 Samuel chapter 7, which is a uh, huge chapter um, as far as, uh, you know, in the, in the story that we've been following so far, but also from a theological perspective, uh, you know, because it's when when uh, God gives his covenant to David and you can see connections then with how God treats David with the covenant that God gave to Abraham and so you can see how the promise you know in a sense is narrowing from Abraham Abraham's seed now to uh, this particular king and to those after him see um, and you will see then as we continue to read in the Bible um, the uh, prophets uh, and the poets assume this covenant that God made with David. See, it's part of their uh, worldview, their beliefs, all right, uh, as to what God is going to do for his people. So, um, also, as I said, for you uh, guys that just got through Hebrew, this is going to be a reading. This should be. This is one of the standard Hebrew readings. Um, readings for you so hopefully you guys will come across it unless someone does something weird in your class which they probably will but whatever Uh, we actually are beginning verse 4 of chapter 7 so 2nd Samuel (coughs) chapter 7 verse 4 and remember um, Nathan had just told or David had just told Nathan hey I got a house but God doesn't. He still dwells in his tent. And Nathan, as his advisor, had said, go do what's in your heart. And that's where we're picking it up at the beginning of verse 4. All right? So, Vayahi barai lahahu, Vayahi devar Yahweh al Natan lemor. All right. It came to pass in the night, the that one. In that night. Notice the temporal um, clause here uh, after Vayahi. Very typical. Now you have another vayahi, but notice that this vayahi actually functions as the verb of the clause. The word of the Lord was to Nathan. Or we can kind of translate like you might do the um, agenito in Greek. Came to Nathan. This is a uh, pretty common formula for... Um, the uh, revelation that the prophet receives. So the word of the Lord was to Nathan saying, and again, what form this came in, I don't know. I, I think I had mentioned it before that in some texts, it almost, remember earlier in Samuel, it almost is like a the word Devar Yahweh is almost described as a hypostasis, a, uh, you know, like the Kavod Yahweh, the glory of Yahweh, or the Marach Yahweh. Um, I don't know if that comes through so much in this particular text. Um, but anyway, you want to kind of keep that in mind as we're reading. All right? Um, verse 5, then, and I want to comment on this one a little. Lake ve'amarta el-avdi el-david, komar Yahweh, ha'atativne li bait l'shifti. All right, so you have two. Uh, notice you start with an imperative. Lake is a call, masculine singular from halak, followed by, notice what it's followed by, a vav plus perfect second masculine singular, amarta. All right, now just look at that string of, of notice we would translate it as, translate them as both imperatives. Go and say, all right? Not uncommon. Um, but if you go back to the end of verse 3, Right at the end, notice you have two imperatives there. Lake, ase, go do, 
All right, notice there's a, everybody see that? Go do for Yahweh is with you. Everybody see that? Notice it's a different kind of syntax here. You have an imperative followed by another imperative, whereas in verse 5 you have the same word lake followed by a uh, vav plus perfect, all right? Now, a lot of uh, grammars you will look at, first of all, say that the uh, vav plus imperative, uh, I'm sorry, the imperative followed by a vav consecutive is the more common form. They're wrong. Those who say that have looked only at the, uh, too much at the legal literature, which is where you see it a lot. But actually, strings of imperatives, either with or without a vob, like you see at the end of verse 3, uh, there's like 180 cases of the imperative followed by a vob uh, consecutive. There's over a thousand of strings of imperatives, all right? Stephen Fosberg has studied these in an article. Um, and the other thing that you probably learned is that the, oh, the, the imperative followed by a vav consecutive um, indicates succession or, or, you know, succession or uh, future action. Um, but again, Stephen Fosberg studied all of these and suggested that no, both types occur with similar functions and nuances so that the distinctions between them are not that, not to be made. It seems to be that uh, it's, it's either dialect or style. Also, when you get the imperative followed by a, a vav consecutive, this form with amarta occurs in about 40% of the 180 cases. So it's almost like it functions as a frozen form, some, like you get lay more between before spoken language. So you get lake amarta very commonly uh, as a string of imperatives. All right? um, so you don't want to make too much of the semantic difference between the vav consecutive and the two imperatives that you have at the end of verse 3. And notice, uh, um, you know, the time sequence between the two doesn't really differ. It would be hard to make a case, okay? So here's what uh, Yahweh says to him. Go and say to Avdi el David, to my servant to David. So notice my servant is mentioned first and then David. Koamar Yahweh, thus says the Lord. Typical prophetic formula. Ha'ata. Notice you have the interrogative hey in front of the pronoun. Will you, Tivna, will you build... Okay, call in perfect. Notice the segol, hey, typical of the uh, third hey verbs. Will you build Lee for me a bite, a house, less shifty? What form is less shifty? Infinitive construct from Yashab. Notice that it has the uh, segolate form, first common singular suffix, for my dwelling. Or we would say in English, we put it in a finite verb, for me to dwell in. All right. Questions on verse 5? All right. Um, good. So now Yahweh goes on to elaborate a little more in verse 6. Kilo yashav ti bevait le miyom haloti et bnei Yisrael mimitzrayim ve'ad hayom hazeh va'ehya mithalek be'ohel uvemishkan. Okay. For not have I dwelt, yashavti. For I have not dwelt bebite in a house. All right, le yom. Notice that that's the preposition lamed plus the preposition min plus the noun yom. Love to pile up the prepositions. 
For I have not dwelt in a house, notice you with this okay if you pause, from the day. Alright, we can't translate to, from, or since, from. Okay? From the day. Now notice this form, ha'aloti. Alright? The root is what? Allah, to go up. What conjugation is it? Hifil. Alright, now what you have to decide is, is this a hifil perfect? Looks like a perfect. But the patoks underneath tell you that it's not. Because if it was a hifil, remember the perfect would be he'eliti. He'eliti. So what form is this with the oat ending? Ha'alot. Infinitive construct. Hifil, infinitive construct of those third hey verbs have that oat ending plus the first common singular suffix. So ha'aloti is my, my um, bringing up. So instead of my going up, my bringing up the children of Israel is the object. All right? So for I have not dwelt in a house from the day of my bringing up or from the day I brought up the children of Israel from Egypt, the Ad Hayom, and until Hayom Hazeh, this day. Okay? Va Ehya, but I was. Notice that that's a first common singular Vav consecutive from Haya. And as we see throughout Samuel, you seem to have these lengthened forms even in Vav consecutives with the He at the end of it. Especially first, first person verbs tend to keep that, or not tend to, but you'll see a lot of examples of that. And I was mit halaking from halak, hit pael participle, and I was mit halaking. I was traveling with, or traveling around, we would say. Traveling around, or maybe you want to translate it as, but I was wandering around, because that's what they were doing, right? In a tent and in a tent. Um, we would probably translate in a tent as a dwelling. But notice that the two forms, in a tent and in a mishkan, it uses two synonyms there. All right. Um, any questions through verse 6? Okay. All on the same page? All right. <coughs> yes? Is that he doesn't say anything prior to him I think because um, he just starts with their history and and because David had stretched a tent in Jerusalem for uh, the ark and the previous history was that Moses had made this tabernacle so the point is that uh, since the exodus Yahweh had been very in, a, in, a, in just tent in a, in not in a by bite, he means a permanent house made of cedar, of wood and stone. And that's not the case. Okay, so verse 7. Uvakol asher hit halak ti bekol b'nei Yisrael hadavar debarti et achad shivtei Yisrael asher dziviti lirot et ami et Yisrael lemor lamalo venitem li beit arazim. Okay, in, ev in all which... I walked around. Okay, Bekol Asher, and here it's it's place. In every place where I hit Halakti, where I walked around, it hit pale perfect. Okay, Bekol B'nai Israel with all the children of Israel. Okay, now notice the word order here. What is that? Hey, you see right away with the yeah. Notice you have the Hatef Patach. That's an interrogative hey plus the noun Davar. So, 
A word debarti. A word did I speak? Okay, so notice he fronts the verb with the direct object. And debarti is a PL perfect first common singular. That's the form that this word usually appears in. Okay, A word did I speak? So notice he's changing the word order and, and we probably stress it when we're speaking it. Did I ever say a word? See, and if we're writing it, we put the word in italics or something like that. Okay, a word did I speak at Achad with one of the Shivte Israel, with one of the tribes of Israel. But here, Shivte seems to have a more specialized meaning as one of the leaders of the tribes, as you'll see. So I will, I'm going to translate that. With one of the leaders of Israel, who Ziviti I commanded. What's the root? Dava. What's the conjugation? PL. Notice it only occurs in PL, first common singular, which I commanded to shepherd my people Israel. That lirot is a call, finitive construct from ra'ah, to shepherd. Notice the ot ending once again for the third hey verbs. All right. So did I ever speak a word with one of the leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd et ami et Yisrael, my people Israel, saying, Lama, why... Lo venitem, have you not built? Notice a call, perfect, from bana, second masculine plural. Why have you not built for me a bait arazim, a house of cedars? We would say a cedar board house. Okay? Questions through seven. Everything clear so far? Because it gets kind of weird here coming up pretty soon. All right, verse eight. Va'ata ko tomar labdi la David ko amar Yahweh zavaot ani lekach tika min hanaveh me achar hatzon lihyot nagid alami al Yisrael. Now notice when you skip this va'ata, what are you thinking as a reader? What does it signal? Okay, it, it signals. It signals. I'm I'm coming to a conclusion here. So we would translate it as, uh, so therefore, so notice, notice he's kind of giving you the preliminary, here comes the punchline, so to speak, here comes the point. Therefore, see, because of all this background material he's been talking about, thus you should say to my servant, Abdi la David, to my servant, to David, thus says the Lord of hosts, pause, notice is okay, Ani, Notice he uses the pronoun. You don't have to have the pronoun. So you might want to emphasize it in your translation. I myself, Lekachtika, took you. Call perfect from Lakach. I myself took you, Minhanavet, from the pasture. Me Achar. Achar means behind. All right. So Min plus Achar would be from behind Hatzon, from behind the flock. Lihyot to be call infinitive construct from Hayah. Notice the ot again. We're getting good practice on that. Mm -hmm. To be a nagid, to be a leader. Pause. Al ami over my people, over Israel. All right. Questions through eight. Everybody see what's going on. All right. Now verse nine. Here's where some some little weird things happen. Va eya. Notice 
Keshem Hagerolim Asher Ba'aretz. Anyone see what's weird here? You get this little switch. Anyone see it? You get a switch in... What kind of verbs have we been having up through this point? First. Vav, yeah, we've been having that, but Vav consecutive, imperfects, notice. All right? Notice halfway through the verse it changes. So we continue with verse 9, Va'echya, and I was with you, Bekol Asher, in all where you went. See, wherever you went, Halakta, okay? Va'akrita, what is that verb form? What's the root? From karat to cut off. And notice it is a hifil form. Everybody see that? And see, so you notice the hiric under the resh, there's no yud. It has, uh, in the vav consecutive, you don't get the yud, but you do get the hey at the end of the first person once again. See, so it's kind of a characteristic that we're seeing. And it just means, and I cut off. See? Alright, and I cut off et kol all oiveka, all your enemies, nipaneka, from before you. Pause, not not. Okay? Any questions up to this point? Now notice what happens, what you have to deal with as a reader. Look at this form. Ve'asiti. Is that a vav consecutive imperfect? No, it's not. How do you know? Well, there's no yud there. There's no aleph there. There's no nun in front, right? Plus you got the T at the end. So this is a vav plus perfect form from asa. All right? Now remember in Hebrew you learned, oh, wait a minute, that usually takes its meaning from the previous verbs. In which case you translate it as past tense, right? And the vav plus perfect can mean past tense, correct? Um... So what do you do here? Why is it here? It's kind of strange, you see. Now what makes it, makes it, but most translations suggest that you, they all translate it, the major translations translate as future tense. Now if you translate as future tense, what decision are you making as a reader about the kind of statement that is happening here? It's a promise. But you see, notice in order to do that, he has been talking about the past. Now you say, okay, here's where he starts to make the promise. All right? Um, so that from verse, from this point through like 13 or 14, he's promising. All right? Um, the one tension that you will get is that the things that he promises here have by and large, if you've been reading the narrative, already been fulfilled. So, for example, in verse 1 of chapter 7, remember I told you probably not before break, it says specifically up there that he, Yahweh had given rest all around from all his enemies. Well, if you get down to uh, a couple verses from here, he uses that same word here. And if you, you translate it as a promise, you translate, and I will give rest to you from all your enemies. All right? So, is, so the, the standard traditional way to understand this is to understand all this section is a promise and that's possible. Uh, you could also though suggest that it's not necessarily switching to promise that it's done for a more rhetorical reason to highlight this section as far as um, how God has fulfilled the promises that he already has made to Abraham in the covenant. See, so that, so that the, so, some suggest that the switch is made not to indicate a switch in tense, but for rhetorical reason, to bring out this section 
of what God has already done so that you could continue translating it as past tense w- until verse 12 or so when he clearly begins to promise. All right? It may be a dialectical thing. Sometimes in this manuscript, we see vav plus perfects where you would expect a vav consecutive. We saw that. We've, we see that in several times. If you, if you take it that way, um, you're having an awful lot of those in the row in a row here. Okay, so I just want to point that out to you. I'm going to translate them all as future, um, but I uh, just want you to be aware that you can handle these differently. All right. So I will translate, and I will make for you a name gadol, a great name. See, but remember, David was already well known. Uh, David, you know, Saul slew his thousands. David is ten thousands. So, but you can translate this all as promise. It does work. All right. And I will make for you a great name as the name of the Gedolim, of the greatest ones who are Ba'arts in the land or on the earth. Okay. Verse 12. Le'Yisrael unetativ veshakan taktav velo yirgaz od velo yosifu b'nei avla le'anoto ka'asher ba'rishona okay vesamti and I will set notice this is from seem hollow verb call um, first common singular and I will make a place for my people for Israel See, now I would suggest they've already had a place. Okay? And I will plant him. Unatativ. Okay, now if you suggest, well, wait a minute, the, they had the whole period of conquest, Joshua, judges, up to this point they have already been in the land. See? That's where I see the tension between making this promise versus a highlighting of look at what I've already done. And now towards the end he's going to say what he's going to specifically do but I'll let you guys wrestle with that and talk about it but does everybody see what I'm saying mm-hmm. okay and I will plant him namely Israel the Shakan Taktav and he will dwell see this is Taktav means underneath but it's normally translated in his own place he will dwell in his own place the Shakan Velo Yirgaz Od and he will not tremble again and not will um, they add. Notice Yosifu is from the root Yasaf. Hifil, imperfect. When you see this, what kind of form should you be looking for immediately after it? An infinitive, right? Yosif means to add. And B'nai Avla, that's um, evil people, literally sons of perversity. Avla means perversity. And perverse people will not add, le, there it is, le'anoto, to afflict him. This is a PL infinitive construct from ana. It means to afflict. So how would we handle that in English? If you, you know, it seems awkward to say, and evil people will not add to afflict him. What would be a better translation? No longer afflict him. Remember, we translate the infinitive as the finite verb and then the um, Yosifu as an adverb. And evil people will not afflict him again or any longer. Ka'asher barishona. As formerly. This is bait plus rishon is an adjective. All right? And this is often used with an adverbial force. Bait plus rishon can mean formerly or in the first place. But here it means formerly um, because he's going to go back to the period of the judges in verse 11. I'm going to stop there.
Does anyone have any questions through 11? We've got a couple of minutes. Yeah. I just had a question about that, that transitional verb. Yeah. That. Uh, yes. Um, that can be two different things morphologically, right? It can be a conjunction plus a perfect or a vowel consecutive imperfect. Correct. I mean, Correct. And a lot, you know, the standard thing is, well, look at where the accent is, but the accent doesn't always tell you because sometimes the accent recedes depending on what's what the next word is. So that's not an infallible guide. The Masoretes did not, were not, there's, there's not a consistency in that. Um, so you can't always go by that. So but right, it is ambiguous. There's more than is ambiguous. It's ambiguous because that form can either, you know, the form is conventionally follows imperfect verbs when you're in a future kind of sequence, right? That's how we kind of use it. But notice that it occurs a lot of times uh, back to back with perfects and has a perfect sense as well. See. And in kind of non-standard Hebrew, you tend to see that. And in later Hebrew, when the Vav consecutive was breaking down, um, you saw you see less use of Vav consecutives and more of these for kind of past tense. All right. So it could be just a more vulgar or spoken colloquial kind of Hebrew that has become part of this tradition. But I'm not going to say that for sure. We don't know. It's just interesting how. He's promising stuff that, by and large, we can see, wait a minute, that's really part of their history, what he's already done. All right. Does that make sense? Okay. Good. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you.